0: Hi, and welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and will be talking about The Breadwinner. Jan, do you want to tell us a bit about this movie?
1: The Breadwinner is a 2017 film. It is... But comes from the studio Cartoon Saloon, who is known for Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea, both of which we have done on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Nora Toomey, produced by Mimi Polk and Angelina Jolie. It is based on the novel by Canadian author Deborah Ellis. It stars the voices of Sarah Chowdhury, Soma Bhatia, Norin Gula Magaus, Cain Mahan, Lara Sadiq, Ali Bacha, as well as many, many others. Paul, will you tell us a little bit about the plot of The Breadwinner?
0: In Taliban-controlled Afghanistan, when 11-year-old Parvana's father is arrested, her family finds itself without the necessary male figure to buy food, get water, do other things outside the home. So Parvana cuts her hair short, dresses as a boy, and earns money for the family. She decides to take advantage of the freedom she has found by dressing as a boy to try to visit and maybe even rescue her father from prison. And then there's war and he gets out of jail and everybody's, like, sad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Interwoven... With the main story is, the, is a story within the story that she tells. It's like a basically, almost like a fairy tale.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't say almost. Parvana tells a fairy tale to various characters within the movie for various reasons. But it's all one ongoing fairy tale mm-hmm. beginning to end. So objectively speaking, how good of a movie is The Breadwinner?
1: well i mean like first of all it's cartoon saloon yeah which we have raved about their movies in the past the animation style continues to be just beautiful art the most beautiful movies you've ever seen and like i often i feel like i'm saying that all the time about like you know i'll talk i talk about like claymation being amazing i talk about pixar being amazing but like Cartoon Saloon is in a class of its own. It's completely different and very artistic. Mm -hmm. Like it is a work of art. And this one lives up to their previous movies in its style. Um, I agree. And it's very different because unlike the previous two were very Irish, Cartoon Saloon is an Irish-based studio. This one, however, takes place in Afghanistan And so I feel like there was a different influence on the art style. And I'm not sure if that was as successful Hmm. as the other two, because it was a shift. And because the first two felt like a real love story to Ireland, Mm -hmm. whereas this was a bit more of a foreign perspective. Hmm. But you can't deny the beauty of it what about you what about what kind of things did you think while watching it
0: i agree with what you were saying before about this being a beautiful movie and i i mean when it comes to the aesthetics and the visuals of an animated movie what you said about cartoon saloon being in a class of itself like rings true for me mm-hmm. uh
1: it's about technique and it's about artistry yeah and cartoon saloon has both yeah, the other movies we watch are tech, you know, technically great and beautifully like designed and things. But like the artistry of Cartoon Saloon, is...
0: and some of them, like some of the movies, I don't want to disparage. Like some of the movies we watch that we say are beautiful, they are artistically beautiful, but they're just aiming for something different from what Cartoon Saloon is aiming at, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so they're achieving something different. Yeah, you can tell that what Cartoon Saloon is aiming for, uh kind of artistry that you don't see a lot of in animated in anim- animated film for children especially. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, in this movie I particularly noticed much like in The Secret of Kells when there's a story told the animation style changes
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the animation style for the stories in this movie is kind of like the animation style for the stories in The Secret of Kells like when they tell the story of Kalmkucht, uh, and it's it's like flat,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but this movie it really reminded me somewhat of uh, the Little Prince, mm. even though it's not really the same. But it's like paper craft; they were like cutouts. I don't think and literally, was, but they yeah. looked like cutouts. It was in the and style, it was layered, and exactly. Yeah. It was. I loved it. I thought it was mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. Both the frame narrative and the inner story were both beautiful. I thought, and they were like. These landscape paintings of the of Afghanistan as the backgrounds that were, I think, lived up to the landscape paintings of their previous movies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, for my money, I don't think maybe this isn't a necessary comparison to make, but Song of the Sea still is, I think, the most visually uh, moving and amazing and most beautiful cartoon saloon movie i don't think this is in pure visuals more beautiful than song of the sea Mm -hmm. but it's in a class with it yeah what about what did you think of the voice acting
1: it was very well done i um hadn't heard of any of these actors before Mm -hmm. but they all did fantastic i really felt like the two main characters parvana and the other girl who's dressed as a boy
0: yeah what's her name i can't remember i can't remember her name
1: anyway the two of them both sounded very much like female characters but also you could see how they could get away with being boys yep and i liked that a lot and that's a tricky line to walk when the actors are clearly adult women yeah you know or you know young adult women but adult women
0: they're not 11-year-olds. They're not
1: 11-year-olds. And so to make your voice sound like that and to have that quality to it is difficult, and they really achieve that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know both of them were great. And the movie, like, Parvana carries the movie. Yes, There's absolutely. There's other vocal performances, but she's... Uh, the bulk of the movie is her because she's the one telling all the stories, mm-hmm. and a lot of the movie is her and stuff and interacting with people, right? It's very much her story. Yeah, And uh, the performance of Pravana, I thought was really good. Mm -hmm. I was nervous when I heard about this movie and I heard Angelina Jolie's name attached to it. Yeah. I was nervous that we were going to end up getting... Angelina Jolie doing an Afghani accent as Parvana or something like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, I knew this was going into sitting down to watch this movie tonight. I knew it was a cartoon saloon. I knew it was produced by Angelina Jolie. I didn't know anything else about who was involved in making it.
1: Or what about the plot? Did you know the plot at all?
0: I knew that it was about a girl who dressed in Afghanistan who dressed as a boy mm-hmm. to win money, to get money for her family. And that's what is meant by the breadwinner. Um, so I had a moment when I sat down and started watching it of like anxiety that Angelina Jolie was going to turn up as a vocal performance. Yeah. Because it would have been inappropriate in this movie. But she didn't. And yeah. it was cr- like... And it was a good call.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she kind of lent her name. I mean, she executive produced it, but like lending her name to it gave it a bit more uh, press Mm -hmm. than it would have had otherwise. So that I think like that's good. It gets Cartoon Saloon's name out there even more. Yeah, because that's what I would like. I don't really care a ton about Angelina Jolie, but uh, for her to lend her big name to this project. Makes me happy. Mm -hmm. And for, yeah, for her not to interfere in that, like, doing voice acting or whatever along with it was also good. Yeah. So what about the story, objectively? The story of The Breadwinner. Is it told well? Is it a good story?
0: On the whole, in terms of the structure of the narrative, uh, I think... Ended with a lot of things unresolved. Mm-hmm. Clearly, deliberately.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I really liked that. The main things were basically resolved. Like the his, her father was out of prison, and the, by the end of the movie, the mother and sister have been taken off by a second cousin who's obviously going to mistreat them, and they've escaped. And they've all are on the way to reuniting and they're like just reuniting when the movie ends. Mm -hmm. So the father's out of prison, the family's reunited. They're not in the clutches of this cousin who's going to be bad to them. But they're still in the middle of a war zone and the father is injured and they don't have a home. Mm -hmm. And like, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of loose ends at the end of the movie. Uh, So in one sense, if I'm judging it by like what the structure of a story is meant to be and what the lines of conflict are and how you've resolved them, it didn't do what it's supposed to. But I liked it for that. Mm -hmm. I liked that it didn't tie everything up in a nice bow and now she's going to live happily ever after.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: Yeah. What else? What do you think about the story?
1: Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I especially enjoyed the interweaving of the the like fairy tale folk tale in with it and how it kind of mirrored that. And then it also secretly told the story of her brother who had died. Mm-hmm. Um, I have read the book mm-hmm. of this beforehand. Like Deborah Ellis is a Canadian children's author. So I'm very familiar with her. Mm-hmm. And I read The Breadwinner not very long ago, like fairly recently because I knew this movie was coming out and I'd meant to read it ages ago because it was very popular when it first came out. So there are some differences, major differences between the book and the movie. Um, One of which being this story. The the folktale isn't in the book. The book book is just a straight up story of her. There's no magical stories woven in at all. The whole storytelling thing, I don't think, is in there. Really? her father and mother are intellectuals, but there isn't that folktale element to it. And so I really felt like that added a lot and that really made it more cinematic. Hmm. So I think that um, that was a really good choice to I mean. to add something like that to and um, to complicate the story a little bit more and to make it, yeah, like I said, more cinematic. Uh, and I think that they achieved that well. It's... I mean, it's a pretty dark story for our children to watch, like, especially knowing that it's true. Yeah. And knowing that it's recent. Yeah. That it's one thing for them to watch something that's taking place, you know, hundreds of years ago where there's violence and women being mistreated to something that's happening I mean, it's not exactly this day and age, but it's pretty close.
0: The back of the case says that it's set in two thousand and one.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, to our kids, two thousand and one is is a very long time ago, but
0: to me, that feels to me that feels like
1: yesterday. And they also, uh, they recognize that there's cars and there's planes and there's everything. It's a modern world. So I think it's a fairly, like, it's a dark, some dark themes. And so I would definitely, our youngest, who is seven going on eight very soon, was okay with this. But I think that I wouldn't show it to a young child at all. It is very much an older child movie. slash. It's an adult movie, frankly. I mean... That children can also enjoy.
0: I think it is still... Cartoon Saloon movies really uh, tend to be this ambiguity about who exactly is the audience because they're too complex and beautiful to be w- the ghetto of children's movies. Obviously, you and I don't think that children's movies deserve to be sign into the garbage patch of movie. Yeah, But people act like it. You know, there's real movies, and then there's kid movies, and that's kind of our point reason of our whole podcast secretly uh is to talk about that but cartoon saloon proves how impossible that how uh ridiculous that distinction is Mm -hmm. and i think this movie is one of them that like i wouldn't agree that it's an adult movie um because although there are dark and violent themes they clearly make choices to uh suggest rather than show violence Mm -hmm. yeah Right, like they focus on the stick going up, not on the blows being struck.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: And uh, the main character is still a child. And when you have a main character as a child, you're inviting children to empathize Mm -hmm. with that main character. You're inviting the viewers to empathize with the child character, which means you're imagining a child audience, at least partly.
1: Yeah, and it is, I mean, and the book is very much for children. It's a juvenile, middle grade book.
0: But I do totally agree. It has dark themes and it certainly has enough to keep an adult intellectually and emotionally uh, engaged.
1: Mm -hmm. I just think, um, and maybe we're getting into the two seriously, but one of the things that I want to mention when we do this podcast is if you have kids, when would you show this to them? Right. And I think that it's an older kid movie. Yeah, for sure. And that um, you need to be willing to talk about it afterwards or during or whatever, that it's definitely one of those, you can't just watch it and be entertained and laugh like it's uh, Ferdinand or whatever. You need to engage (laughs) with this this, uh, movie quite a lot.
0: Absolutely agree.
1: So yeah, apart sure. from objectively we spent a long time on that what how much did you enjoy this movie
0: I loved this movie Mhm I hadn't read the book uh so I didn't know what was going to happen and me I don't know if that's connected to part of my experience of it is I loved this movie I would watch it again immediately mm mm-hmm. Mhm if you suggested, hey, let's watch uh, The Breadwinner right now again, I'd say, okay, let's do it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I partly, this podcast right now is me chewing over and processing and figuring out all my feelings about uh the movie. Yeah. So by the time we're done our podcast, I will have more nuanced and complex thoughts because I will have worked them out and articulated them. Yeah. But I found it very engaging, very beautiful. I was worried about it, to be honest with you. And mm-hmm. that is too bad, because I should trust Cartoon Saloon. They've done two movies, and they were both, like, fantastic. hmm And this one is two. Yeah. But the two movies they've done both had the same director, and this has a different one. Yeah. So that's part of why I was like, well, is it the director or the studio that's great? And both. Both. She um, was
1: co-director of the other two. So she, was she
0: was co-director. Yeah, I don't know her other than Cartoon Saloon, Nora Toomey.
1: Yeah, that's what she is. She's she's a co-founder and co-director of Cartoon Saloon.
0: Okay, I think. Okay, yeah. Well, um. So, I loved this movie. I'm gonna watch it again uh, for sure. At some point. Hmm. Probably soon. Yeah. How about you?
1: Same. Um, <laughs> ditto. Just just <laughs> copy-paste. Um, I loved it. It was really beautiful, really good. I I knew what I was getting into because I'd read the book, except that it took a completely different direction, and so I actually didn't know where it was going. I kept going like, well, the book has kind of a happy ending, so I'm hoping that we're heading towards that, and we kind <laughs> of did, but we kind of it ended, and my daughter was like, uh, is that it? <laughs> That's yeah. it so there's that but i yeah i really enjoyed it uh, i don't think there's much more to say than i agree with what you said and i'm going to work out more of my enjoyment as we talk about it so let's get in to the way, way, to way portion of our show
0: let's absolutely
1: where do you want to begin
0: I want to start by getting something out of the way that I think isn't going to be a long conversation. Mm-hmm. And that is, I kind of alluded to it when I said I was worried that Angelina Jolie was going to be one of the voices. And I want to just say, why would that be bad? Not because I hate Angelina Jolie and think she's no good, but because this is an Afghani... This is a move, an Afghani story.
2: Mm-hmm. Set
0: in Afghanistan, all the characters are Afghani. And when you look at the cast, um, all the cast are names that uh like i don't know the background of any of these actors because i was unfamiliar with all of them Mm -hmm. but they all have middle eastern sounding names they all have names that make me think you were clearly uh being deliberate in your casting Mm -hmm. right so i just want to call out there obviously was a uh, care and thought put into making sure that this wasn't a whitewashed movie and i appreciate it
1: just to be clear sarah chowdhury is of indian descent but is canadian yes she is only 14 oh really so she's actually young cool and won and oh, some awards for this role and she should have because wow yeah i completely agree with what you're saying and um yeah basically like our conversation for this movie isn't going to be this what we often you know make sure to like talk about race talk about sexism etc the conversation for this movie just needs to be a bit different because they're just like our themes we need to chew on
0: yeah so i want to get another one out of the way before we start chewing though and that's that In our previous two movies, I said that Cartoon Saloon has a gender problem
2: Hmm. because
0: Song of the Sea and Secret of Kells both have the boy main character and the girl is a magic girl who he interacts with to learn more about himself, right? Yeah. I think after this movie, Cartoon Saloon no longer has a gender problem. Yes, or in this movie they don't. I mean, yeah, I guess this is now one out of three, Hmm. so... Make another one like this, and then you'll be all good, according to Paul. Um, but <laughs> Everything's got to balance it. This is absolutely to Parvana's story. hmm And I was thinking about it as the movie was ending, and, like... This is a very female movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's... Two of the girls are dressed as boys, and we'll get to that in just a second. But, like, in terms of cis men in this movie... There's two, and they're both very. There's her father, mm-hmm. and there's uh, Ravak.
1: Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then a baby brother.
0: And then a baby brother. Those are all very small presences in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to call that out to say, like, hey, look, it's possible.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I think they did a great job with that. Yeah. It was a good choice to make this movie. Yeah. So, I mean, let's chew on some of these themes and I want to bring up right away something I researched a bit both before we watched this movie and after. The concept of what's called in Afghanistan and a little bit in Pakistan as well, um, bakapash. I what? believe I'm pronouncing that correctly.
0: What is bakapash?
1: Back-a-posh means literally dressing like a boy. And it is something that happens not just in fiction, because there are several fictional tales of this, but this is a real thing that happens where a family who doesn't have any boys will choose one of the daughters to dress up as a boy and to enjoy all the privileges of being a boy in that culture where they can go to school and go out of the house and do all the things that Parvana does in this movie. This isn't something that is... She's not Mulan. Right. She's not the one girl who did this and isn't that amazing. She's doing what is a traditional action in uh,
0: Afghanistan. And the movie acknowledges that if you didn't know it by the fact that she immediately meets another girl dressed as a boy.
1: Yeah. And in a lot of cases, it's an open secret. Right. We're not... They're. Other people aren't pretending that they don't know that this is a girl. It's just uh, when you are dressed as a boy, you are a boy and therefore get the privileges of that. However, when you hit puberty, when you hit maturation at like 16, 17, even as young as 13, the end. The end of that, you're put in your headscarf, you're sent back to the home, you're sent with your, you learn how to cook with your mother, and in the brief amount that I've researched it, it seems that this creates some issues with these uh, girls is that they struggle with their identity from then on and often buck against traditional marriage and don't want to get married and, and, and go into this system that they have been outside of for so long.
0: Oh, go figure.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's really like... It's really interesting and subversive, and honestly, I would love to read a lot more about it because I'm talking about it now, but I know very little. All I know is what this movie is showing me and the few fictional things that I've read. There's a book called The Pearl that Broke Its Shell.
0: I've read that one.
1: Which is all about uh, a couple of different generations of women dressing up as boys, or Mm -hmm. girls dressing up as boys. This is... uh, and so, it can. When you watch this movie, it can seem like it might be a trans story,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which definitely, as a Westerner watching it, you can get those themes and that those are there. But there's also
0: there's a, a traditional cultural practice that encourages, uh, at the very least, you would. Be comfortable calling it drag.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a cross-dressing. Right. Because they're not... There is no... At no point does the girl have a choice in this. Right. In this movie, movie, she does.
0: Yeah. Parvana in the movie does. I want to talk a bit about, like... Both in the movie and in the culture, this is... uh, And let's keep most of our focus on the movie, because I'm not... You read a little bit more than I did. I'm certainly not going to pretend that I know anything really about yes, uh, Afghani oh, culture. Absolutely. Except that I read one book about this and watched one movie about it. <laughs> um, yeah. But I can talk about the movie. In the movie, uh, the result of a girl cuts her hair, puts on some different clothes, goes out into the world and experiences the world as if she was a boy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: emphasizes... Uh, what is meant when we talk about gender being a social construct.
1: Absolutely.
0: Like, when we talk about gender being a social construct, that doesn't mean it's not real. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it doesn't have real effects on people. It doesn't mean it's, uh, meaningless. It means it's a socially built rather than, uh, biologically mandated series of behaviors is -hmm. what we mean by gender. So like, she dresses as a boy. That's only possible because the entire culture agrees on what it is to dress as a boy. Mm -hmm. And in a paradoxical sense, the more extreme the gender roles are, the more necessary Uh, It is that it's possible to uh, transgress those barriers Mm -hmm. because the less clearly defined, if you aren't really clear what, you know, if anyone can wear a pink shirt on bullying day, then wearing a pink shirt, it does not mean dressing like a girl. Right. Mm -hmm. But if every girl covers her face with a veil and has long hair then cutting your hair short and not wearing a veil is dressing as a boy unequivocally and there's unequivocally and there's no question about it, right? And the mm-hmm. more rigid those lines are, uh, the easier it is to step across them. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't, like, that's fascinating. It
1: really is. And, like, to have our kids watch this and see her go from they aren't allowed to, to sell her food. She's not allowed. Women are not allowed to buy anything to going to suddenly she's dressed as a boy. And they're like, they're laughing at her because she doesn't know what she's doing to go into a store. She's calling from the doorway of the store because that's what women had to do. And then suddenly they're like, come inside boy, what are you doing? Kind of thing. But you know,
0: that's what it is. Salam. Excuse me. Salam.
1: Salam,
2: salam. Come inside, boy.
0: I'm not going to deliver, am I?
2: (laughs) But you know how it goes, right? Well, uh, let's hear it.
1: I need a kilo of rice, half kilo lentils, and a small amount of raisins.
0: A small amount? <laughs> Should I go by my imagination? Yes. <laughs> Not very bright, this one. <laughs> Poor I would make a sharp sword. <laughs>
2: Look at him smiling. Little <laughs> guy doesn't even know when he's been made fun of. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very, very much.
1: She's just, like, beyond happy that, like, suddenly I can just go anywhere and do anything. That freedom that comes with that Mm -hmm. is just quite something to watch and to have our kids watch and to see, like this is the way it is, or the way definitely the way it was in Afghanistan. Yeah, under the Taliban
0: and the like. I feel like the one of the themes of the movie, one of the themes of this kind of story. One of the things that this movie is telling us is about how uh, repressing, controlling, demeaning, and dominating women is bad. Mm-hmm. And, like, we could talk more about that. I don't mean to say that that's not a worthwhile thing to say. I do think that's a little bit a danger of that being preaching to the choir. You you make a story of how... Uh, you know, forcing women to stay in the house always is bad and expect your audience to entirely be like, yeah, totally. And so I am more enthralled and interested in the part of the story that's like, but gender norms are made up.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Because that's a little bit more um, challenging to the presumed audience of this movie. Yeah you can just dress however you want, mm-hmm. right? In terms of, like, the uh, plot, she ra- she's in danger by dressing as a boy. So I don't, don't mean, like, in terms of the story, you can't really dress however you want. And we talk about Becca Posh being a recognized cultural phenomenon, but in the narrative of the movie, if she's caught, she's going to be killed. Yeah, right? absolutely.
1: And that's... Definitely, Becca Posch isn't safe. Yeah. It's recognized and it's there, but they're definitely, under the Taliban especially, could have killed girls who did that. But I even
0: even for the storyteller, there's a different kind of transgression and danger in the implicit message of, like, you can dress however you want. Mm-hmm. And the world treats you differently, and there may be consequences for that. Benign consequences, excellent consequences, like you get to buy raisins, or terrible consequences, like someone's going to kill you. But And everything in between. And everything in between. But you still can, mm-hmm. right? Just because people decided that this is how boys dress and you're not a boy doesn't mean you can't dress as a boy. And this movie... Uh, this movie represents what you said about when you dress, she dresses like a boy, she becomes a boy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just that she's pretending to be a boy. She is one. Yeah. And her friend, Shauzia, like, refer even in conversation with the two of them in a private place, she refers to herself and talks about herself being a good son, mm-hmm. right? hmm
1: Yeah. What about your father? Doesn't he depend on you? I am a good son. But he is not a good father. And it's just such a, it's such an interesting movie to watch because it's like seeing what trans can be like in different cultures. Because in our Western culture, it's a very, it's... Uh,
0: it's all about the individual, It's all right? about the
1: individual, yeah, exactly. It's very much about the individual and their life and how, they're, how they have felt their entire life. And when they d- decide to transition or decide to dress in another way... And then, but to, in this, it's more like this communal decision. Or a cultural, and yeah. And it's a cultural phenomenon. And I don't think it's necessarily like it seems like there are good instances of this and bad mm-hmm. when there are women who are bashaposh when they're children and remain that when they're adults. And there are women who change as soon as they hit puberty and it feels and it feels just like completely subversive Mm -hmm. that you could have this happen within this culture that is so very gender divided Mm -hmm. that it's, you just assume like, Oh, well they're backwards and they haven't caught up to our modern times yet, but no, it's just a complete different world to what we are used to
0: here in,
1: you know, Canada, America, whatever.
0: I want to, push a little bit against complete difference. not complete yeah you're right you're right
1: right. yeah um i don't want to pretend like it's like their magical other they are also humans just like us but the cultural difference is fascinating to observe
0: yes i'll agree with that wholeheartedly we've both said that like there's an aspect there's a way of thinking about this story as a trans story there's a way of thinking about this too that's like This is not a trans story at all. Mm -hmm. This is a Pasha Posh story, which is not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's clearly not the same thing. Yeah. Right? But it's a... For me, it's interesting to talk about in the context of... uh, In the context of all kinds of issues surrounding trans people and issues. Because... At its core, what it's interrogating is the mutability of gender,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Does gender have to be static and immutable for your entire life? And this movie says no. No. And that's really at the very core of anti of transphobia is like, you can't, nothing can ever change your gender. Mm-hmm. And this movie... Uh, although it does it along different avenues is challenging that also yeah absolutely does that make sense
1: yeah that's definitely a good point i mean such an interesting yeah there's so much to think and like that's only one single part of it yep because then there's the whole idea of it takes place in afghanistan during the war yeah. Which, I mean, frankly, Afghanistan has been at war for, like, almost its entire life. And that's which they one mention.
0: of the things they start the movie yeah. with saying. It's just a pattern of one invader after another.
2: hmm But we were at the edges of empires at war with each other, as borders were defined and redefined over thousands of years. Of these mighty rulers came Cyrus the Great of Persia. Then Alexander the Great of Macedon. Then came the Morion Empire, Genghis Khan, and so on and so on. Each time there was bloodshed, and each time there were survivors. A pattern repeating itself endlessly.
1: And uh, this is, you know, 2000. And one, just after 9-11, there's the, a lot of, uh, it was a major war in Afghanistan. And, and so you have that constant threat Mm -hmm. and the constant, um, you have the Taliban who Mm -hmm. you don't want there. They're bad. They're evil. They're doing bad things. People are suffering under that. And then you're hearing the whole movie, these, like, fighter jets flying over top. And those are, like, the Americans, the Canadians, the British, the people who came to Afghanistan in 2001. And what are they doing? What are they, you know?
0: Yeah, I thought that was so very uh, powerfully represented that this personal story of Parvana and What's motivating her throughout the whole movie is trying to visit and or possibly help her father in prison, and she is completely unaware of yeah. the global politics. And when she shows up at the prison, eventually the person who is going to help her visit her father is like, "What are you doing here? War just broke out. We're leaving at like," uh and she doesn't know that at all.
2: Yeah, exactly. But
0: a observant viewer of the movie. Does know that because there have been fighter jets flying over every once in a while, yeah. uncommented upon. Suddenly, yeah. fighter jets will fly by, and all the characters in the movie will kind of shrug and go on with their business.
1: Well, exactly. And then, and like the major thing of like, we think of, well, they rescued those people from the Taliban. Like, the Taliban was chased out by like the armies that came in from other places in the world. But to her, she was had a home, and then she didn't. The war yep. broke out, and then this family at the end of the movie is homeless and wandering yep. and in a war-torn country and it doesn't end on the happiest of notes because of that yep so there is no good guy overall in this it's a very deeply personal story about a single family in afghanistan and i feel like that's what makes it so compelling
0: yeah the there's no good guy in the war story i mean parvan is the good guy yeah, yeah the personal story has a i good mean like this
1: country yeah i have a good guy
0: the and the like in the terms of the war story the backdrop of war this is we start with war we start with the father telling a story about one invader after another and there's this little bit of animation where there's a horse that keeps galloping and the person riding the horse just changes and it goes from all the way back to being from being like uh Alexander
1: uh, the Great, and before him, even.
0: Yeah, who's before Alexander the Great is Cyrus the Great. Yeah, uh, Cyrus the Persian. Cyrus the Persian, Alexander the Great, all the way to, like, a British invader wearing a pith helmet.
1: hmm
0: To, like, more recent, but still riding that same exact horse. And the metaphor of the horse is the same, only the rider changes. That uh, the game is the same, the players on the... the who's controlling the pieces change but to the people on the ground in Afghanistan does it matter whether they're invaded by the Taliban the Russians the Americans the British the per- like no
1: well and the whole thing with the
0: horse being the same yeah
1: is later on she tells this whole fairy tale and there's something chasing her and then it's an old broken down horse yep and it's the same horse that this invader has rode in on mm-hmm but it's sick and dying
0: I don't know what the significance now. of that. Like, and there's landmines are also a motif. Mm-hmm. The her friend in the marketplace who uh, I rem- I forget his name already again. Ravak,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh gets a letter that his wife died because the, her car hit her landmine. And then we, by the end of the movie, learn that her brother died because he picked up a landmine. Mm -hmm. And there's another part where they're walking along through the desert uh, and her friend says, stay on the path, there may be landmines. Mm -hmm. And landmines are just there. They're just like a reality in the backdrop. They're not really relevant to the plot or the foreground. They're just part of the scenery, Mm -hmm. the landscape of this setting, right? Yeah. And it, like the horse, the omnipresence of the landmines gives this sense of uh, war is just always there. Mm -hmm. It's inescapable, it's never-ending, and the father says, I remember a time when we were happy and could go to school and people learn stuff in this very country, but it didn't last, it wasn't, it didn't like it Arrived after lots of war, and it descended back into war and we live in a place where there's always invaders and war mm-hmm mm-hmm um what does all that amount to other than like that is bleak yeah,
1: but that family can still exist within that, I think is mm-hmm. that? there's still hope for the individuals within that world Mm -hmm. and them finding hope with each other and love with each other. Mm -hmm. And she tells her friend in 20 years, let's meet on that beach. Yeah. That it's that she has hope for a long life that she may not meet her friend in five years, but she can meet her in 20 years. I hope they do. meet. Me too. I hope they do meet in the, Book it's at the top of the Eiffel Tower, which seems much more realistic that they could actually meet there. And this is just like random beach on a beach <laughs> on a beach, <laughs> which seems unlikely that they'll meet. But that's all right.
0: Well, but it uh, symbolizes the coast, yes. like the on the frontier, on the border. Mm-hmm. The Eiffel Tower is an arbitrary landmark, but yeah. on the border of the country, yeah, is symbolic of like the edge of the world that we've been living in we're going to meet there
1: and there's a line in this movie where the girl is talking about the beach and she says some people just go to the beach and they just sit on a chair and they look out and they wear sunglasses and my kid sitting next to me is like yeah we do that yeah i'm like yeah we do that we are very privileged To live in a country where we can do that.
0: We just sit and look at the water for hours.
1: And I think this movie is one we're going to be talking about with our kids for a while. Mm -hmm. Because of the relative privilege that they live in. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've we've talked for a while. I feel like there's so much to say about this movie. But is there anything else you want to really, really bring up?
0: I want to bring up... um, what actually is the nature of the relationship between Parvana and Shazia? Hmm. Like, they are prepubescent. They are childish and childlike. But if this was a boy and a girl, we would call that a, love, a romantic plot. Hmm. And because gender in this movie is so mutable, it is a boy and a girl they're both the boy and they're both the girl and the way that they part Mm. i'm like i don't want to uh impose a romantic or sexual context on children's relationships i I kind of i always resist that Mm -hmm. but i also it's it's part of the landscape of this movie just as much as the landmines is she's on the verge of puberty and marriage is on the horizon for her yes and it's frightening like marriage being on the horizon isn't something that she's that she or the movie is happy about Mm -hmm. but it's there yeah like the landmines right so already we're Framed as she's on the this uh, liminal space between childhood and adulthood, she's in this liminal space between kind of uh, innocence and uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Absolute. This is in some ways a story about her absolute loss of innocence.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And so their relationship, the way that Shazia reacts when Parvana says we're leaving. Hmm. I think it is easy to read that as a uh, romantic. As a romantic story plot. Mm. What do you think?
1: To be honest, I did not see that even in the slightest. When <laughs> watching this, they are very much children. Yeah. I did not see any kind of romance between the two of them. But that being said, I can see it when you say that, that there can be that undertone of that, but uh, I just buck against it as I always do that. I feel like I just want children to be able to be children and be friends regardless of their gender Mm -hmm. and, and not have this assumed uh, romantic relationship so young.
0: Yeah. And that's fair. And I, I'm on record as also yeah. thinking that. Yeah. I just think because in this movie, gender is such at the forefront of what this is about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap this movie up?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I feel like there could, I could talk about a thousand things in this I movie. I suspect...
0: That we're going to stop recording, but keep talking about this yeah. movie.
1: <laughs> and so basically, like, if you guys want us to talk about more, we could record even like another episode on this and watch it again. Or we could engage with you in other ways, like on Twitter.
0: I would love to.
1: Um, But first, we need to rate this. Is it Ra- good? Is it seriously good? Yes. Yep. Pretty quick and easy. We even before we even recorded, we were like, well, we already know going into this. It's both good and seriously good. Yeah. There's no question.
0: Without doubt on both counts. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All three of the uh, Cartoon Saloon movies have been both good and seriously good. Good track think, record studio.
0: I think this is the seriously best movie they've made. Yes, absolutely. I would be hard pressed to decide which is the best movie, but I think this is the seriously best movie they've made.
1: Agreed. Agreed so as i was saying before if you want to contact us to talk about this movie any more about any of the themes within it at wtscast, or you can send us an email uh, if you know more about backup posh or anything more about the history of afghanistan i'd love to hear more about it way too at gmail.com if you like what we do you want to hear some extra little trivia things and some bonus features and help support our endeavors of podcasting patreon.com slash clockworks cast
0: i've been paul Moffat.
1: i've been jan moffitt
0: and i can't make a joke about the ending of this movie even at all nope there's no I joking. just you know go and be kind to each other
1: yep treat people well